Hey, I'm Pastor Daniel, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-03-23664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. But today, we have Pastor Byron Chicken sharing God's word with us. Byron is the lead pastor of Thrive Church, and he's the national leader of the Semis of God group. Enjoy listening to part two of Byron's life-giving message from this Sunday. Should we get the elephant in the room or the chicken in the room out the way? Can we just deal with the surname? Is that okay? Because your social media has been talking about it. I've seen all the social media stuff. Oaks from here and from Joburg have been sending me saying, check what they're talking about, the chicken and all this kind of stuff. Should we just talk about the surname? Is that okay? Get it out the way so you can actually listen to the word of God. It's, um, it's Scottish. And some guy called Chicken in the 1600s moved from the U.S. to, from Scotland to America. And it was C-H-I-C-K-I-N. And then some muhu decided to change it to an E-N. So, I mean, at least if it was, you know, I-N, I could do something with it. But it's, it's just Chicken. And I, I wish I could tell you I come from fancy stock, uh, aristocracy of some sort. We were chicken farmers. That's the deal. Just Good old plain chicken farmers, and uh, I married a very proud Lebanese lady who comes from a very proud Lebanese family. You know the Libs? Uh, I don't know if you, have you got Libs here in Cape Town? Are there, are there any Libs in this place? There's lots of Libs in Benoni. Lots of Libs in Elberton. They, they breed in Elberton, and... Um, <laughs> So Kans comes from a very, you know, uh, uh, proud Lebanese tradition. Her surname is Lisha. And in my ignorant, foolish youth, when we got married, I, tried to, I, I insisted that she change her surname to mine. And I think in hindsight now, just leave it, man. Why have the fights like that you don't need to have, you know? And so she changed it everywhere except on her Facebook she claims that Facebook won't allow her to change it because this is a true story. Facebook tells her, no, you must choose a real surname. How's that? <laughs> Can you believe it? I've never actually tested that, but uh, it sounds to me like she's talking twak, to be honest with you. <laughs> you ready for the word today? Shall we take a moment and pray? Let's just prepare our hearts. You know, it's so important that we actually don't, we come to God's word with, uh, with, with openness and with, with transparency and with vulnerability, but also with awe and with reverence. And we, we understand it to be what it is. Hebrews 4.12, you know, the word of God is living and it's active. It uh, penetrates even to dividing joints, marrow, soul, and spirit, judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. It's, it's the thing that shapes our lives. Discipleship outside of God's word is impossible. It's an impossibility. And today we're going to talk about discipleship and rebuilding our discipleship. And so today let's, let's place God's word at its, at, in its rightful place at the center of our lives. And Father, we ask that today you just have your will with us, have your way with us. Jesus, I pray that you'd cast a vision for life. Jesus, cast a vision for life over our lives. Give us a picture today of a life that could be the life that you designed for us, a life with you at the center of everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. So uh, today, uh, second message, if those of you in 8.30, it's a totally different message. Um, 
I thought about calling this message Life with Jesus, the Burden, the Cross, and the Easy Yoke, and then I changed it to Life with Jesus, Rebuilding Our Discipleship, and I I really want to offer to you today uh, a well-rounded, I hope will be a well-rounded picture, vision of discipleship. What I mean by discipleship is apprenticeship to Jesus, following Jesus, learning from Jesus. In our church, we've got the following language. We say, we just want to move towards Jesus. That means we learn to be with him, become like him, and do what he did. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I think it's one of the most profoundly important truths to grasp in our lives. It's possibly one of the most important visions to grab a hold of is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It is to learn to be with him, that's devotional. To become like him, that's formational. To do what he did, that's missional. It is to understand what Jesus lived like, what he was like. To understand his time and his context and to also understand how he stood outside of time. It is to understand him as the person and also as the Godhead. It is to understand him as Lord and Savior. Not only is the one who saves us, who, who sanctif- uh, you know, sanctifies our lives through his spirit, but he is the one who is Lord in this present moment. Not a, only is he the one that we will meet in eternity, he is the one who is present with us by his spirit here on this planet right now. Not only is he the one who ushers us into eternity, seated at the right hand of the Father, but he is also the one who is the Lord of our lives right now, teaching us, offering to us his truth, the way to live, and saying, would you live this way? Would you, would you, would you take my invitation to live this way so that you can discover all that God has for your life? Discipleship is not coming to church, nor is it watching TBN. It's not buying books at Kum Books. It's not going to life group. It's not sitting in a class. Simply, it's that. But with that as a outworking, a product of a life-giving friendship where we fall in love with Jesus every day of our lives. Discipleship, it's not a program. It's not a system. It's not... It's not a a set of steps to take. It's not an imposition of something like a, a, a daily devotional time. It's not an obligation to pray. It is that, but it stems and it's the outflow of a deep seated life giving friendship with Jesus. Discipleship, what is it? It is to learn to be with Jesus, become like him and do what he did. It occurred to me a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, that there are three things that Jesus says we are to take upon ourselves. Three things that we are to put on our backs. I don't know if you've ever noticed that there are three, there are three times and there are three separate distinct things that Jesus invites us to take onto our backs. Number one is a burden. Number two is a cross. And number three is an easy yoke. And today, I just want to offer you those three thoughts and those three concepts in the hope and the prayer that our understanding of discipleship will be enriched through that. 
Number one, the burden. Uh, Matthew chapter five is our text today. Uh, Jesus talking and he says this in verses 38 to 41. You've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. I want you to notice the text and the word burden that I've put here. And you could write in your notes, a burden for the world, a burden for the broken world, a burden for the world around us. And, and Jesus goes on, if you sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give you a coat too. And then he, he, he kind of ends this, he caps this whole segment by saying, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. The first thing, one of three that Jesus instructs us to put onto our backs is this thing called a, a, a soldier's burden. It was called a furka, F-U-R-C-A. It, it was like a stick with all of the soldier's possessions, his whole life's kind of stuff that he had when he was off on a military duty. It would be his pots and his pans and it would be his clothes and it would be some of his weapons and anything he needed for an extended military expedition, he would carry on his back with this pole and it was called a furka. And Jesus makes the very countercultural, very offensive, I mean, very upsetting statement to his first century listeners who are listening to this, who are suffering under Roman oppression, who are being occupied by Roman police, Roman soldiers. It would be like a person of color in the apartheid era having white policemen patrolling their neighborhood. And all of a sudden, the white policeman says, hey, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, I don't care. I want you to carry my weaponry for me. And I want you to carry it for a mile. And Jesus comes in and says, okay, if that happens, and if they ask you to do that, don't carry it for one mile, carry it for two. Can you imagine the, uh, the uptight, can you imagine the, the sense of hurt possibly even that how can this guy who claims to be on our side, how can he ask us to do that? How can he side with the oppressor? And he would force you to do what's called a Roman mile, like a thousand steps. The burden that Jesus says, hey, pick it up and don't just take it one mile, take it two. Is really about loving and serving the world around us, even in its state of imperfection. Even the system that you hate in this world, even the thing that you hate most. It, I mean, it would almost be like me saying to you, hey, listen, if SARS sends you your tax assessment and says you owe a thousand bucks, give them 2,000. <laughs> Anybody going to do that? <laughs> come fetch it, yeah. yeah. You can come find me. I'm not finding you. This furka that Jesus asked us to take, he's he's bringing across the principle of an extra mile. He's bringing across the principle that we are to serve the world around us, the world in which we live and move and kind of cohabit, even when it's unfair, even when it's unjust. I suggest to you that the first thing that Jesus tells us to pick up, put on our backs, one of the elements of discipleship that's inescapable, inconvenient, countercultural, may irritate us, actually upset us. But Jesus says, look, if you want to be a follower of me, you pick up what you don't want to carry. And you serve the world in that way. 
discipleship of Jesus is about serving the world no matter how inconvenient it is. No matter how upsetting it might be to us. No matter how inconvenient it might be. First thing is the burden. Second thing Jesus tells us to pick up is our cross. Luke chapter 14. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Now that that word hate, if you want to kind of take a little bit of a dive into the study, Jesus' language there is not to literally hate. It is a relative term to say, relative to me, everything else must be second. It's not, a, it's not a positive hatred. It's actually like a negative inflection. It's like to say relative to them or relative to me, it's that. Are you with me? He says, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your mother, your father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And then here's the second thing that Jesus asks us to put on our, our backs. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. First thing was a burden for a system that was oppression, a burden for the world. The second is Jesus says, now I want you to pick up your cross, pick up your cross. When he uses that word cross, remember this is pre his crucifixion. But the context and the culture into which he's speaking is they would have understood exactly what a cross meant. A cross was a symbol of death. It was a symbol of torture and a symbol of execution. So when Jesus says, pick up your cross, there's there's no mistaking the point that he's making. He is effectively saying you must pick up your own death and follow me. Let's dive into it a little bit. The cross, what Jesus was coming to here, church, is to say, if you follow me, this is, this is possibly the, the most critical. If you follow me, it will mean the end of your own life. It will mean your life is no longer your own. The meaning of the cross, friends, is to say to anyone who would pick it up, anyone who carries that thing says it's no longer important for me to have my own way or for me to go my own way. It, it means the end of our lives as we know it. it. It's the end of the life that we thought we were going to have. But the good news wrapped up in that statement is that while it's the end of the life that you thought you were going to have, it's also the beginning of the life that God has for you. And just think with me for a moment. If the one who formed us with his hands and breathed life into us, who knew us and formed us in our mother's wombs, that one who formed us from dust, from nothing, don't you think he knows what your life should look like more than what you and I do. And so we form these plans and dreams and um, some misplaced, some misguided uh, of what our life would be, what our life should be, what we'd like our life to be, what it could be. 
and we form our own concept. And Jesus comes in with a statement. He shatters that and he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up the death of your own life as you thought it would be and pick up the life I have for you. But the gospel in that, the good news is that far from it being the worst thing in the world, it's the very best thing in the world you could ever do. Let me read this to you. Dallas Willard said this. Discipleship is the greatest opportunity in human life. Jesus is not talking here simply about the cost of discipleship. He's talking, this is, this is so critical. He says he's talking about how to pay the totally worth it cost to get this amazing life. Isn't it amazing that when we read that scripture, we think of the cost But what Dallas is talking about is he's saying, actually, Jesus is not giving you a negative picture of life. He's saying there's something incredible, the life that I want to mold and and shape and, and turn you into. This is the way into that life. It is to pick up your cross. So yes, there's a cost to discipleship, but there's a much greater cost to non discipleship. Yes, there's a cost to being a follower of Jesus, but there's a much greater cost to not following Jesus. The much greater cost to following Jesus is to enter into the vicious circle of self. It is to pursue self-gain. It is to pursue self-happiness. It is to pursue selfishness. And the very thing that looks attractive on the outside, once we enter into it, we find it's a ravenous wolf that can never, ever be fed enough because you can never have enough for yourself. And neither can I. Are you all still tracking with me? So who is a disciple? It's one who is with Jesus, learning to be like him. It's one who is learning from him how to lead my life as if he were me. It's somebody who's an apprentice in Jesus' kingdom living. And so, while the furka is about picking up the burden for the world, the cross is about picking up the life that Jesus has for us. It's about paying the more than worthwhile price for the life that he has for you. It's about giving up your own life for him. Which leads us to the third thing that we're invited to pick up. And that's the yoke or the easy yoke. Matthew 11 is the text. Verses 28 to 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. The exact opposite of following Jesus is to strive. I think there's so much exhaustion in our world because there's so many people pursuing themselves themselves in the world. And Jesus is actually the path into rest, the pathway to rest. The way for rest for your soul is to give up your life. Anyway, let's go back. He says, take my yoke upon you. Okay, third thing we're told to carry. Remember the first one was the furka? Burden for the world? Broken, 
messed up, screwed up as what it is, we pick it up and we love our world. We love God and we love one another, right? Second is to pick up our cross. It's to pick up the realization of our lives as we knew it ending. And then the third Jesus says is, now take my yoke upon you. Pick up my yoke. And I'll unpack this word yoke in a moment. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble, gentle at heart, and you will find, 1030, you'll find? How many times does that word rest come? Twice. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, to Jesus' first century listeners, that word yoke would have been completely kind of there with it. They would, have, they would have known what it is. When we go yoke, are we, are we, going, are we talking about yolk, yolks of eggs? Or what are we talking about? So let me give you a picture of a yoke with two oxen that you'll see on the screen. And uh, the, the way a, a yoke would work is it was an agricultural device used to link two oxen together so that they could plow the land. The yoke was the wooden thing that would join them together. And so when oxen were yoked, they were yoked together and they were yoked under the yoke. The yoke would come over the necks, hold them together, and then they would plow the field together. Now, there's something profoundly important about oxen when they're yoked like that. And this is, this is the issue. When an oxen was yoked with another one, they would always yoke a strong ox and a weak ox together. And so the weak ox, as he or she got yoked with the strong ox, that ox would lose their ability to decide which direction to walk. The weak ox would have to walk wherever the strong ox decided it should go. But in so doing, the weak ox also had his burden shared by the strong ox. The weak ox did not feel the weight of the burden for the weak ox was light. Is this ringing any bells to Jesus' words? Let's go back to the text if you wouldn't mind. Just for a minute or so, he says, for my, verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And so what Jesus is saying is when we pick up the yoke, what ends up happening is we get yoked with him in life. We get set up in partnership with him in life. But he's the strong ox and we're the weak. He takes the weight of the yoke upon himself. And the burden he gives us is the light one. And so this is why I come back to the point that I made is you might think that picking up your cross is the end of your life as you knew it. And it could be the worst news in the world if you really love your life. But I want to say to you that it's the very best thing because when you pick up your cross, what we inadvertently discover is that the very cross that we thought was the symbol of execution is in fact the yoke that links us to Jesus. And when that yoke comes upon us, his burden is light. And so, yes, you lose the ability to go in the direction you want to go. But you go in his direction. You go where he knows to go. 
you follow his lead and you stop walking in circles. You stop trying to bear burdens on your own shoulders. You stop trying to live that role that you've just been promoted to by yourself. You stop trying to make the decision to give away 10% of your income in this crazy thing called tithing. You stop trying to do that by yourself. You don't lead a life group by your, by your own strength. Sean doesn't lead worship in her own strength. She's yoked to somebody. Pastor Dan doesn't preach of his own strength, out of his own, he's yoked to the one who's helping him. You don't try and parent your kids, your teenagers who you have no idea what's going on with them. You know, I heard somebody the other day said, when my child was 13, they just became a complete and utter idiot and then re-emerged at 18 again and they're like, oh, here's my child, hello. Anybody got that? Look, if your kid's with you now, just look straight ahead. Don't. <laughs> but for goodness sake, friends, we, we, don't, we don't parent our children by ourselves. We are, dif- we are different to the world. We're yoked to the one who makes our burden light. We don't carry our grief our disappointment, our despair. We don't carry the loss of a business in COVID by ourselves. We're yoked to him who carries the majority of the weight. That is what it means to follow Jesus. It is to pick up the burden for this broken world and to, to, to love this world with extraordinary extra mile kindness. It is to pick up our cross, to accept that when we follow Jesus, it's the end of our life as we knew it or thought it. But it's the beginning of the life that he has for us. And the wonderful mystery is for that for the man and woman who picks up the yoke, picks up the cross, as they put it on their shoulders, they discover it's actually an easy yoke. They discovered that they yoked to the one who formed this world, who breathed it into existence, who, knew, who knows your life and mine from the beginning to the end. And it is to live in partnership and friendship and in a symbiotic giving and receiving of love. That, friends, is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus such that that person enters into life group and builds the people around them, serves in a community like this out of that, gives to the poor in partnership with Jesus, gets baptized knowing that they're now yoked to somebody the one who loved them and formed them, holds their life in their hands. 
that person is the one who gives generously. That person is the one who gives up their life to say, how can I serve anybody, anywhere, anytime? That, friends, is what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. To have picked up the burden for this world and to love it. Is to have picked up the cross and died to self. And in, this, in the process we discover there's a whole nother life that God has for us. And we carry light burdens. We are yoked to the one who loves us. Amen. Amen. Shall we take a moment to pray? Jesus, help us today. Simple prayer, Lord. Lord Jesus, help us today to realize that the cross is actually a yoke. That your invitation to pick up our cross and in so doing to give our lives away actually is not a symbol of execution but a symbol of an invitation to life, the life that you have for us. Right now where you are, just in this moment, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to following him, to becoming a disciple. We've spoken this morning about being a disciple. I've explained what that is. And so in a moment, I'm just going to do a quick count to three. And right now, the Spirit of God is prompting you, speaking to you. Somebody's heart's beating faster. Your palms are going a little bit clammy. You, feel, you realize, gosh, all of, <laughs> you're here in this moment for a reason. You had no idea when you woke up this morning what that reason was for, but God's got a hold of you in this moment. And so I'm going to do a quick count to three. And then when I get to three, if you want to follow Jesus, I'm not asking whether you've called yourself a Christian in the past. I'm not asking whether you've grew up in church, been in church your whole entire life. There's only one, one thing that matters in this moment is whether you want to become his disciple, his follower. In this moment, I'll give you an opportunity to indicate to me when I get to three. It's just so that everybody kind of knows this is the moment, you know. When you get to three, slip up your hand, nice and high, nice and quick. Hold it up there. I'll see you. Say thank you. So here we are. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up all across this place. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you up in the balcony. So many of you up there, guys. Thank you, thank you at the back. Thank you, thank you down front here. Thank you. All over. Thank you, sir, in the middle. Thank you, thank you at the back. Level, thank you so much. Come, if you haven't responded yet and you want me to see you, just slip up your hand right now. So, yes, thank you guys at the back in the balcony. I can see you. Thank you, sir, in the front. Thank you over there. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, ma'am, at the back. You can take your hand down. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Jesus, we give you our lives. We thank you for your life lived on this earth sinless and yet you died a sinless death in our place a substitutionary atoning death in our place what a marvel what a wonder what an extraordinary act of grace thank you 
Holy Spirit, every person who responded in this moment, who had their hand up in this service, Holy Spirit, please fill them, flood them with your power now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, that because of your life and your death and your resurrection, every sin can be wiped clean, is wiped clean, that we can repent, turn, move away from that which has held us captive by the power of your spirit. Every hand that was raised in this this service this morning, Jesus, I pray right now you would give them a vision for their lives, a discipleship life of following you. Hold them, Lord. Take them into your hand and hold them. Jesus, be their Savior and their Lord. Teach them, lead them, guide them, shape them, mold them. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, Edge. Would you take a moment just to, come on. Give them congratulations. Thanks, Dan.